Tim is just about to come and bring the word to us, which I'm excited and expectant to hear God speak to us. But before that happens, we've got a video of a friend of ours. He's called Phil Knox. He is part of the Evangelical Alliance. Tim actually serves on the board of the EA. I don't know if you knew that, but he does. Um, And this is a beautiful spoken word piece that was written and produced during this you know, crazy season that we're all navigating still through of, of COVID and lockdowns and all the rest of it. And I think this will help you. So lean into this spoken word and catch the heart as we are led to consider lament. When rumours of a virus turn to evening government updates. When headlines move to daily news of fresh infection growth rates. When schools are closed and holidays postponed, everyone's asking, who's been furloughed? A slight change of plans, just wash your hands, it's like the flu, remember? Let's stay at home, do pee with Joe, it'll be over by September. How long, oh Lord? When streets resemble ghost towns at peak lockdown regulation, When we crave a crowd, cry out for connection from full-blown isolation. When millions search for online church with newfound innovation. Everything's online, but getting loo roll is a hassle. And trust in powers eroded by trips to Barnard Castle. It all ends in tears. There's no quick fix when you're a table of seven, but there's a rule of six. How long, oh Lord? When our dreams are dashed, ambitions strangled, Christmas plans destroyed, and a righteous anger rises at the murder of George Floyd. And when families are asked to grieve behind masks at graves of precious loved ones past, life is in limbo, we're stuck in between. Herd immunity or miracle vaccine, 2020 shortchanged by COVID-19, and children can't get the food that they need. How long, oh Lord? With ever-growing numbers of the daily deaths presented, when this is the new normal, when what life was like lamented, and will people stop using the word unprecedented? We are zoomed out, homeschooled out, restrictions extended, and those we love die unattended. How long, oh Lord? I've been deprived of peace. I've forgotten what prosperity is. So I say my splendor is gone and all that I'd hoped for from the Lord and my soul is downcast within me. And yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Correct is your faithfulness. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Uh, good morning, everyone at home. It's interesting, isn't it, this following Jesus? We have 10,000 reasons to praise the Lord and many more, as we've just sung. Uh, We also have many, many reasons 
to be angry, many reasons to be sad, many reasons to despair. And I want to talk today about, uh, as part of this series of going deep in prayer, uh, about being honest with God. Now, uh, I want to hold my hand up and say, I am a glass more than full Pentecostal believer in Jesus. I believe the glass is more than half full. In fact, it's overflowing. Amen? Amen. I believe that with all my heart. Having said that, I want to talk about lament. Now, when I was a lad growing up, uh, I was surrounded by positivity. If you've ever met my parents, they're some of the most positive people you'll ever meet. And uh, my father was an associate of Dale Carnegie. Anyone heard of Dale Carnegie? He wrote a brilliant book, actually, in the 70s and 80s. Uh, it, was, it was a world bestseller, How to Win Friends and Influence People. See, some of you have heard of the book. Well, at a very young age, I read that book. I think, now, um, and uh, I think my, my parents felt that I needed to win some friends. And so they said, I think I must have been, I don't know, seven or eight years old or whatever it was. And here, read this book, son. Now, it's meant for kind of business people and adults in the workplace and team building leaders. Um, but I remember reading this book. And there was one uh, motto in our household. There was one uh, thing that everyone said is about the three C's. And the three C's are this. Do not criticize, condemn, or complain. The main principles is whatever you do, don't criticize, condemn, or complain in relationship with other people. And it's actually not bad advice if you're trying to build a team. Who wants to be the one that's always criticizing everyone else on the team? Uh, condemning, obviously, uh, you don't want to kind of judge everyone around you. That's not a good way to influence people and to, to get friends. But, do you know, uh, and I think actually I had a diploma in criticism and uh, probably would have had distinction in being condemning. So uh, I think that's why my parents kept on saying, three C's, three C's, three C's, literally. Imagine the house, you know, me and my brother are arguing again. And the, and the answer is three C's, three C's. Um, the, the, that was the ongoing discussion. Uh, and the challenge was, I translated those three C's into my relationship with God. I, I actually found myself in a place where I thought there were some subjects that were off-limit with God. But then I began to read the Psalms. And I realized in the Bible there's a book called Lamentations, which means groanings. <laughs> and even the book of Ecclesiastes, I remember in my early teens, at the time when I was really awakening my faith, I got baptized in water, I was filled with the Holy Spirit, and I was reading these bits of scripture, and they came to life for me. And I realized the three C's don't work with God. Now, obviously, uh, the condemning thing. But even then, uh, we can, there should be no subject that is off limits in our relationship with God. And then I remember our youth leader pointed out the psalm we're going to look at today, Psalm 22. I remember our youth leader saying, look, this is the psalm that Jesus quoted from the cross. This is, he probably might even quoted it in entirety. We don't know, but some of it is recorded in the Gospels. This was the psalm of his moment, of the pinnacle of his ministry and life up to that point. On the cross, he's quoting this psalm. And so it seems right that we spend a few minutes in it today before we come to pray together, before we come to the table of communion together. This is a psalm of David. So if you have your Bibles, uh, please turn them on um, or open them if they're old school. 
Psalm 22. It says it was a psalm of David. And uh, in, in this psalm, it says, to be sung to the tune of Doe of the Dawn. So it was intended to be a, a psalm that was to be sung by, this was not just David's private journal, but actually this was something to be shared, which is interesting. He, he says this uh, from verse 1. And these words are famous, right? I mean, these words are world famous. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Now, you think normally as you approach God, right, is, dear Lord, dear Lord, uh, just want to, is everything okay today? Oh, by the way, you're really good. In fact, it starts off, it goes 0 to 60 in milliseconds. God, God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. He goes straight at the jugular. God, where are you? In the day you're not hearing my prayers, and then in the night you're not hearing my prayers either. Where are you? You're so far. I wonder if you've ever felt like that. In this scene of the psalm, David is on his knees at night, having not had an answer to prayer during the day, and there he is at night, and there's no comfort, because God seems a million miles away. Isn't it cool this is in the Bible? If the Bible was propaganda, you wouldn't include this psalm. Yes? Verse 3. And he kind of pulls the wide shot here. So that we go from him being on the knees to now being the wide shot. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you, and you rescued them, they cried out to you and were saved. They trusted in you and were never disgraced. So he kind of pulls the, the lens on the whole of Israel, the people of Israel, over history. He said, well, you helped them, the people of Israel, the nation, they cried out to you, and they, never, they were never ashamed of that. You know, you, you answered them, but then he zooms in, if you like, even more, and says this, in the context of a crowd... He's zoomed in in the middle, but I am a worm, verse 6, but I'm a worm and not a man. I am scorned and despised by all. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads. And listen to what they say. It says, is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. Again, words incredibly prophetic in light of what happened when he's got thieves and a murderer either side of him on the cross, yes? They're mocking him. The people in front of him are mocking Jesus on the cross. Uh, isn't it? It's the same thing going on. Here, David is like a worm surrounded by birds that are pecking at him. You know, he's, he, he feels small. He feels insignificant. He feels forgotten. What if you ever felt... Like that. Maybe you feel like that today. Verse 6. I'm a worm, not a man. I am scorned and despised by all. And then in this kind of movie of Psalm 22, there's a flashback. And he says, Yet you brought me safely from my mother's womb and led me to trust you at my mother's breast. I was thrust into your arms at my birth. You've been my God from the moment I was born. He has like a flashback to the day he was born. He says, do not stay so far from me, for trouble is near, and no one else can help me. David is crying out to the Lord. 
He feels forgotten, but then he remembers. But Lord, I don't have anyone else to turn to. I don't have anywhere else to go. But you, you were there on the day I was born. And he begins to awaken to the fact that the Lord is with him now, in this moment. But I have no one else to turn to. This is the power of lament. I have no one else to turn to. Then listen to this, a a few verses then. I want to comment on them. Verse 12, my enemies surround me like a herd of bulls, fierce bulls of Bashan. I guess they had big bulls in Bashan. Fierce bulls of Bashan have hemmed me in. Like lions, they open their jaws against me, roaring and tearing into their prey. There's like, in this scene, there's blood and guts going everywhere. This is how David feels. He says in verse 14, my life is poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. Then this compelling phrase, my heart is like wax melting within me. My heart is like wax melting within me. And this is King David, the great warrior the one that they used to sing songs about. And in this moment, he pours out his heart like water and in fact his heart feels like wax. You've, you've all seen a candle, you know, when, it, when it's burnt out. Have you ever got something warm next to a candle? You know, I don't know, put the, put the fan heater too close to a wax candle and you just see it ends up in a pool on the floor. He, he says, my heart is like wax that's been melted I don't know what your experience have been. Maybe you've experienced gut-wrenching loss. You know, that kind of loss where, where it seems like the world will never be like it was again. And you, you actually, it's this sorrow that is sickening. Have you ever felt like that? Not if you have. If you've ever had an experience or a trauma where actually you feel sick to your stomach, where you feel completely just lost, and, and your body cannot function. You don't want to eat when someone makes that, breaks that marriage vows, when someone's unfaithful, when, when someone dies, when there's a, a, a horrible accident. You know, those things that actually, you just feel ill. You feel like your body's never going to recover. This groaning despair, this, this deep grief. There is room, hear me today, There is room for all of those emotions in your relationship with God. There's room for all of it. Do do not hide anything from the one who sees everything. We are in Mental Health Awareness Week this week, uh, nationally. Someone decided that was what this week was. And there's been a lot of talk about mental health and it's really important that we talk more about that in the life of the church. And really what it tends to be is not just mental function, but actually our emotions. Really, uh, it connected so much to our spiritual health, isn't it? Our emotional, mental health, what's going on inside us. 
that affects how we see ourselves and see the world as it is. Uh, and one of the phrases, we need to talk, you might have seen that around billboards and on TV programs, we need to talk. We do need to talk to each other. And I'm saying this in a full-blooded, glasses more than full, Pentecostal church, hallelujah, where we know that the power of the resurrection is complete and ultimate and the gifts of the Spirit are abounding. When all those great things are happening and we have faith to see the dead raised, it's still good for us to talk. But it's more important for us to, we need to talk to God. We need to open up to him today about how we feel. In Isaiah 53, the prophet is, uh, has a vision of the suffering servant. And uh, the servant is uh, going to be going through tremendous turmoil, is how Isaiah sees it. And we know these words so well. In Isaiah 53, 3, it says, He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows. Then it says these famous words, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and he looked the other way and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. But he was acquainted with deepest grief. The Hebrew there, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't the cause of the grief. Can I hear an amen? amen? He wasn't the cause of the grief, but he was acquainted with. He wasn't best friends with the grief, but he was acquainted in other words, he knew well the deepest sorrows. Hallelujah. And then from the cross, as we heard, he quotes Psalm 22, having been brought low like a worm and then hoisted on a wooden cross outside Jerusalem on a rubbish tip. This is my point today. If we want intimacy with God, then we need honesty first. Uh, honesty is the gateway to intimacy with God. And if we want to go deeper in prayer, it begins with being really, really, really honest about how we really feel. Th think about a friendship. You know friendship goes cold when you know that something's going on. The body language, you know, the turn of phrase, the little grunts. Uh, and and say, so, is everything all right? And you know it's not, right? You just know. If you know the friend, you know it's not all right. It's so offensive if they don't say, well, actually, yeah, either I can't talk about it right now, but I need to talk, or um, they say, oh, nothing's wrong. So I know something's wrong. In a marriage relationship, if you stop talking about what's really going on, it's the beginning of the end of the intimacy of the marriage. Something's wrong with you today. Something's not quite right. Tell me what's going on. You see, honesty and intimacy are inextricably linked. And so it is in our relationship with God. Honesty and intimacy come together. In fact, it's the key to meaningful relationships. Honesty. So are you being honest with God? Now, quickly, lament is uh, an invitation. You, 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 I'm, I want to give you today not just permission to lament, but an invitation to it inviting you into the space where you can do four things, where you can admit your anger. It's really important. If you're angry, admit it. To declare your despair. And, you know, to lament means to cry out. This is about the cry of the honest heart. Uh, to declare your despair. God, it really hurts. It really hurts right now. And, you know, the Lord says, tell me more. Tell me more. What's it really like? Tell me more. He doesn't say, oh, who do you think you are? 
But actually, he invites us to declare our despair and the choice is ours. It's the invitation to share our sorrow with God, but also with others. Lament is meant to be a shared experience. And a little bit later, we're going to get a chance as a church family, online and here in the room, we're going to lament together. And we get to share and realize we're not alone in that grief and that sorrow. We're not alone in the pain. In fact, it gives us an invitation to share that pain. And a lament is also an appeal for action. And we see that in the psalm. It's a crying out to God, please, would you intervene? Please, would you help us? Please hear my cry. Do something. Literally, for heaven's sake, do something. Glenn Packiam says this, lament is a form of praise. It's proof of relationship. It's a pathway to intimacy with God. It is a prayer for God to act, and it's the participation in the pain of others. And as we lament, if we look at this psalm, it seems wrong not to go to the end of the psalm. It says in the psalm, um, from verse, uh, pick it up from verse 19, O Lord, don't stay far away. You're my strength. Come quickly to my aid. Save me from the sword. Spare my precious life from these dogs. Snatch me from the lion's jaws and from the horns of these wild oxen. He's got a whole zoo against him, hasn't he? I'll proclaim your name to my... He begins to change his tone. I'll proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I'll praise you among your assembled people. Praise the Lord, all you who fear him. Honour him, all you descendants of Jacob. Show him reverence, all you descendants of Israel. For he's not ignored or belittled the suffering of the needy. He's not turned his back on them, but has listened. Hear that again. But he has listened to their cries for help or their laments. He has listened. Verse 25, I'll praise you in the great assembly. I will fulfill my vows in the presence of those who worship you. The poor will eat and be satisfied. All who seek the Lord will praise him. Their hearts will rejoice with everlasting joy. The whole earth will acknowledge the Lord and return to him. All the families of the nations will bow down before him. For royal power belongs to the Lord. He rules all the nations. Remember in Hebrews it says, For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. With this psalm resonating in his spirit. Yes? Verse 29. Let the rich of the earth feast and worship. Bow before him all who are mortal. All whose lives will end in dust, as dust. Then listen to this, the last two verses of the psalm. Our children will also serve him. Future generations will hear about the wonders of the Lord. His righteous acts will be told to those not yet born. They will hear about everything he has done. Or another translation puts it, they will hear about everything for he has done it. For he has done it. What did Jesus say on the cross? It is finished. Jesus lived this psalm. He died this psalm. And if it's good enough for him, then whatever you're going through right now, it's good enough for you as well. It's good enough for all of us to be honest with God because that honesty is the way to intimacy. Lament is not our final prayer. Hallelujah. Lament is not our final prayer, but it could be our first step to a closer walk with God. I'll say that again. Lament is not the final prayer, but it could be the next step, the first step in our relationship with God. And, and as we prepare to share communion a bit later, as we do this act of lament together, I want to encourage you with all my heart 
Just take this moment. Let the tears flow for once. Let the emotion flow for once. And you will find it will be a step closer to God. He will not push you away. Hallelujah. Now, when we think of taking communion and think of this subject, I'm reminded of one Easter service that I will never forget. It was in 1994 on the 2nd of April. And I was in my home church uh, with my parents and with Helen. We were engaged to be married. And uh, I was sitting in New Hope Christian Fellowship. And we had just had the news, um, devastating news, about the people you'll see in this picture. Now, on the right-hand side of this picture, you'll see uh, my cousin uh, Tiffany and her son, Hank. That's a fairly recent picture, actually. And uh, they, uh, the father of that son, of Hank, is in the picture on the left. And that shows Chris Walter and uh, Tiffany and as you'll see from the picture, they are uh, military. In fact, they served in both Gulf Wars. They were part of Operation Desert Storm. They were my heroes, really, just because of their bravery and their service to their country. And uh, they survived two Gulf Wars and have incredible stories of how God delivered them. And then um, on, uh, in 1994, uh, late at night, so just as it went into Good Friday... Um, they, they were in this, uh, they were coming back, and Hank was just a baby, just a small boy. And they come back from being out with friends late at night, and uh, they disturbed some burglars. They lived in Texas. So, having survived all of these wars, they find themselves in beautiful suburban Texas. And uh, they disturb a burglar. And uh, they quickly throw, Tiffany quickly threw Hank, not threw him, but put him into the car to keep him safe and went to get help because there were um, teenagers, really, with guns around. Chris wrestled one of the young men to the ground to, get, to free him of his gun. And then another teenager in a car with a semi-automatic weapon, three shots, and killed Chris and... Um, shot him in the head. And, uh, and since that time, I've never spoken about this publicly before. But, uh, but I have to say, and if Tiffany is watching this, um, the way you have taught me to lament has really helped me. Um, Tiffany has a very strong, loving relationship with Jesus. And from that time and all the way through, her and Hank, and she went on to remarry, has had further children. The example of what it means to love Jesus through the pain is quite remarkable. And uh, she's a hero of mine. But I remember in that Easter service, sitting there with the communion elements in front of me at that time. I remember thinking, how do I make sense of this senseless killing? And then I realized that we were celebrating a young man, Jesus, cut in his prime, giving his life for those he loved, and not just for his family, but for all peoples around the world. And I realized, you know, that the cross, it gives us a context to endure and go through and process all suffering. The cross is a place where we can lament and a place where we come closer to God. 
So I thank God for the revelation of that. And even the resurrection gives hope. So whatever you're going through right now, whatever you've experienced, let's be honest, it's nothing compared to the cross of Jesus. So everything between having a perfect day and that, it includes all human suffering. Everything we've been through. And Jesus did that for us because he loves us. And he invites us by his Holy Spirit now to be honest with him. And Helen's going to lead us through now. But, uh, and I'll say a quick prayer. But I just want to say, um, very often in sharing a Christian testimony, you'll hear of three stages of the journey. The first is what my life was like before I met Jesus, right? It's like, it might be while I was a naughty boy. It might be while I was mainlining heroin when I was sick. So it could be, you know, there's all sorts of stories. It was terrible before. And then the next stage of the story is then I met Jesus. Someone introduced me and I realized he loved me. And then the next stage is then life was great. Yes? And that's true for many of us, true compared to how it was. But there's like a fourth, sto- there's a fourth stage of the story, which was the ups and downs of joys and lament after that. And all of that is to do with being honest with God. And if you're in that longer period of joy and sadness, of delight and despair, you're in good company. Because everyone else watching this service, everyone else in the room, guess what? We've all been through some stuff. And if we haven't, then watch out, it's on its way. But I can think of nothing better to do than to be honest with God. And I can think of no better place to do that than around the table of communion. So as Helen comes up, I'm just going to say a quick prayer. And I want us to prepare our hearts to make a response to his word. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome you in our rooms at home. We welcome you here in this room. And God, I pray that you'd forgive us for our pride and our stiff upper lip. Forgive us for our arrogance and pretending everything's fine when it isn't. Lord, I pray you take us as a church family deeper in prayer. Lord, take us deeper with you. I pray the barriers would come crashing down. I pray, God, the tears would flow when they need to. Bring the barriers down and take us deeper in our love relationship with you, we ask. In Jesus' name. Amen.